All right. Thank you, guys. Amen. Uh, very grateful that God has opened the door and called so many of us to be here live and in person this morning. Good morning, friends. Pastor Greg here. Like Pastor Jeff, I am wearing my new Sunday best, uh, ready for work. It's amazing how our fashion has declined over the last six months. Uh, but this is for a higher calling, to be out there getting our hands and feet and selves dirty in the spirit of service. Um, here's what I know is true. It's awesome to see so many of you here in person. We have more friends watching right now on live stream than there are human beings in our parking lot. So it would be awesome to acknowledge our friends over at Park Place who are watching on screen, some of whom are on their balcony, some of our brothers and sisters who are just watching on the live stream. So wave a hand and keep clapping for a second. Uh, we love you and look forward to the day where even more of us can be back together. But being together in spirit is always the most important thing. Along those lines, um, Pastor Jeff and I are going to tag team on a message today, kind of part three on the parable of the sower. And... Uh, Klein, bust out a prayer for us as we get started. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, uh, we long to catch your seed, the word that you're sowing from heaven. We want to catch it. We want to plant it in the fertile soil of our lives so that it can bear much fruit. We pray right now as we dig into your word together that your Holy Spirit would help us to catch the seed, the seed you have for each one of us. Lord, we need to hear from you today. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, I've always been fascinated by something as I drive the rural highways of America and those rural areas where there's farms and stuff, you know, going on vacation. I always look around and see there's lots of barns next to the highway. Would you agree? You know, all those barns. And I've also noticed this about the barns. They're all broken down, most of them broken down with like walls collapsing and holes in the roof. And like, I'm like, what is with the barns in this, in this country? Like, what's wrong with these farmers? I mean, who would let their barns just fall apart like that? So I actually have a farmer friend, and I called him and asked him, hey, what's the deal with the barns with you guys? Like, what is wrong with you people? You got barns, and they're falling down. Why don't you fix your barn? His answer was pretty profound. He said to me, no farmer is concerned with his barns. The pride of the farmer is the field and the crops. No farmer celebrates the magnificence of his barn. No seed is sown in the barn. The seed is sown in the field. Now, I can't help but walking away from that conversation thinking, man, this is like a parable for the church. Because we love our barn, don't we? It's a nice barn, right? We like to celebrate the size of our barn, the, the beauty of our barn, the magnificence of our barn, how many seats our barn has in it, how many people can sit in those seats, all the stuff that our barn goes. We spend a lot of time and energy on our barn. But I think probably... The focus in our barns has taken away our ability to sow the seeds in the field of God's word. It's taken away the ability to reap the harvest that Jesus has for us. It's maybe even got us way too focused on being the gathered church and not focused enough on being the scattered church. Even during COVID, if you've noticed, man, churches have spent countless hours of energy trying to figure out how to meet we should have spent just as much energy trying to figure out how to be the church where we live, work, and play. That would be really profound. Maybe that's why Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Yeah. So for the past two weeks, we've been in the parable of the sower. The first week, we talked about the soil. You might have asked yourself the question, what kind of soil am I? 
Last week we talked about the seed being the word of God. This week we're going to turn our attention to the fruit. The fruit. In Luke 8, 8, it says this, Still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. In verse 15, Jesus tells us the meaning of what he's talking about. He says this, And the seeds that fell on good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a harvest. According to Jesus, the reason for the soil and for the seed is so that fruit is produced, that there is actually a crop that is born. I mean, think about it. What's the point of having a garden or a fruit tree if it never produces any vegetables or any fruit? I mean, it might look good, but who cares? You kind of wonder the same thing. What's the point of having a church if we never produce fruit? Right? If the fruit of the kingdom isn't produced through our lives, why do we even have a church? Right? So we can just gather and hang out. Jesus talks about fruit in a lot of places. John 15, 5, he says this, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, when you're deeply connected to Jesus, when you have his resurrection life pulsing through your system, through your body, through your soul, you produce fruit. I can't get my page loose here. <laughs> all right. You know, I know this, uh, this is interesting because when it talks about fruit, you know, we all know that we're all different kinds of people, which means we all produce different kinds of fruit. I happen to know an environmental science, uh, environmental compliance engineer at Fermi Lab in Batavia, Illinois. That's the place where they do the particle research, the highly accelerated particles to get to the building blocks of the universe. I, I've been there to have lunch. There's a table in the middle. It's a big, colorful table. Only the scientists can sit there. She told me, if you sit there, Klein, you're going to be completely overwhelmed. I'm like, I can handle it. No, you can't. Just come over here. This woman, Terry, decided to start a Bible exploration group in Fermi Lab at lunchtime. It's been going on for 10 years. She's led countless scientists to Jesus in Fermi Lab, leading this discovery group at lunchtime. She's known as the Bible lady at Fermi Lab. During one of their Christmas parties, a kind of intoxicated guy walked up to her and said, Hey, aren't you that Bible lady? He said, yeah, I am. Why, why, why do you ask? Well, I want to come to your group because I need to learn about this church stuff because I'm dating someone who's going to church. A few months later, that guy was following Jesus because of Terry. That's producing fruit. Now, some of you are thinking, well, Klein, I can never do that. Okay, I get it. We're all different. But can you serve? Can you pick up a shovel, a rake, a towel, a washcloth? I don't know if you saw it this morning. When you came in, there's a giant truck out front. Our mission team purchased that for Grace and Peace CRC Church. His, the pastor of that church is right over there with his mask on. Uh, I think he's over there somewhere. Maybe not. Maybe he walked away. There he is on the ground. <laughs> so, and uh, they, brought, they brought 12 pallets of food this morning. In that truck, there are McDonald's cinnamon rolls, thousands of them, vegetables, produce, milk, and meat. And after church, we're going to hand out food to needy people in the community which we've been pushing the word out all over the place, right? It's awesome when you get to serve. Anyone can do this. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to have a seminary degree. You can just get up and serve. And when we serve, the world gets fascinated. I've talked to the Elmer's Hospital chaplains this past week, trying to tell them, look, if you have any nurses or doctors that are overwhelmed, we'd love to come to their yards and work on their yards for you. 
the nurses were like, you, what, you want to do what? I said, we just want to come and we'll just clean up their yards or whatever. Whatever they got to do, just let us know. They couldn't come up with anything. But they're fascinated that we'd be interested in helping them, serving them. That's what bearing fruit is all about. All right, I got to stop because otherwise Pastor Greg will have no time to do his part. You're on. Thanks, brother. Um, so it's awesome that God has made us to be different kinds of plants that bear different kinds of fruit. There is no cookie-cutter way of doing this. Um, in all of our cases, though, there is a close relationship between the seed and the kind of fruit that God wants us to bear. So I'm no farmer, but I really like to eat fruit. So maybe just because of my dietary habits, I know a little bit about fruit. Picture an apple with me, if you could, for a moment. Like you eat an apple, it's so good, you eat it all the way down to the core. What is left? Seeds, right? At the very heart of every apple is the next generation of life. You put those seeds in the ground, they may spring up to be an apple tree. Wouldn't it be surprising if as you ate an apple down to the core, if in the center of it, the seeds looked like just baby tiny little apples? Shouldn't it be that way? Shouldn't the seeds look like what they grow up into? Or what if, what if at the core of an apple, there were tiny little seeds that looked like apple trees? Like, that's not the way it works, right? The seed is just a brown, seemingly dead little lump. But you put that little lump in the ground, and all the potential for growth is already in that seed. And from that seemingly dead seed, beautiful fruit and produce can come into being. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which in my opinion is the greatest chapter in the Bible on the topic of the resurrection, Paul says these three things are closely connected. Seeds, spiritual fruit, and the power of the resurrection. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15, 37 and 38. When you sow some seed, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or an apple seed, or something else, but God gives everything a body just as he has determined. Paul says you put seeds into the ground and they grow up into something that look totally unlike the seed that you planted. That's how it works with people as well. We have the same DNA, but the fruit that comes out of us, that comes out of an apple, like all of that growth potential is already built into the seed. So here's a miracle, super deep spiritual stuff. When the body of Jesus of Nazareth went down into the ground, it was raised as a different sort of body. People thought they were burying just a rabbi and a teacher, but when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was raised as the Lord of heaven and earth, undying and eternal. He was buried in a tomb just like every person, but he was raised as the unique firstborn from among the dead and his identity as the only begotten son and his full divinity was finally recognized and realized. Amen, anybody? Like This is the awesome miracle of God's entire story, the resurrection. When my body, when your body, when these bodies of ours die, and go into the ground, or are cremated, or whatever happens, we are going to be raised and reconstituted, and we will be changed, the Bible says. We will still be ourselves, we will still have our DNA, but with all our God-given potentials totally realized for eternity. Like, doesn't that sound awesome? We walk around life thinking that we are already fully realized, 
No, you're not. I am not. I am not yet what by God's grace, what I will become. I am as different right now as a seed is from the most beautiful, fruitful apple tree that exists. You are not yet fully realized. You, by God's grace, will become something even more amazingly fruitful and strong, lovely and productive than even on your best day here on planet Earth. This is not true only of ourselves, only of our bodies. In the meantime, here on planet Earth, as a sign that this is how it works in God's kingdom and in God's garden, even our acts of love and service, even our words spoken in love and kindness can be transformed in Jesus' name to operate on the same resurrection principle. For example, here's a few just quick examples from my own life. You think you're just having a Bible study. Okay, And you invite somebody who maybe has never been to church, maybe a young person just who has some spiritual questions, and awesome, they come a few times, and then maybe a year and a half, two years later, like life gets hard, and things get real, and suddenly that spiritual curiosity and a few Bible studies turns into genuine desperation and prayer and reaching out to God. All I did is invite somebody to a Bible study. But by God's grace, something way deeper and more fruitful happened. You may think that you're just, you know, sharing a meal with a neighbor. It could be that that meal, at just the right time, in God's economy of things, becomes the very thing that lets them know that they are loved and remembered and connected by a heart that's way bigger and deeper than just your little heart. This very day, you may think you're just pulling some weeds or passing out some food or packing a box. Awesome. But maybe, possibly, when we release those acts into God's hands, there may be some beautiful fruit. I believe it. It can and will come into being because at the end of the day, we share in the seed sowing stuff in our acts of service and God makes it grow. The same Paul who wrote these beautiful words about the resurrection said this about planting a church. I planted the church. My buddy Apollos watered the church. Only God can make it grow. About this fifth Sunday serve stuff, I would say this. Klein planned the day with his team. I'm going to show up and participate. But everything that, good, that comes of it, God is going to make it grow. Amen? All right. Take us a little deeper, bro. By the way, that little Bible study story he told is out of our Explore God initiative, right, Pastor Greg? Maybe. And that maybe, <laughs> and it's maybe the Bible study that Pastor Greg started that now this young man is excited about getting to know about Jesus. Isn't that cool? 18 months later, that's how this works. Now, when Jesus told the parable of the sower, I believe he had Jeremiah in mind, the book of Jeremiah. Because the book of Jeremiah talks all about plowing up soil and gives a lot of images of plants and fruit, and the, how, the kind of person you need to be to produce this kind of fruit. One of the passages in Jeremiah that's always intrigued me since going to Israel about 10 years ago is Jeremiah 17. So verses 5 and 6 read like this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. 
Now, did you hear that word stunted shrubs? In most English translations, they don't know how to translate the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is actually the word arar. It's referring to the arar tree that grows in the desert of Israel. But in Israel, in English, they don't know how to translate, so they put bush in the wasteland, stunted shrubs. The arar tree, I've seen one. When you come out one in the desert, it's this beautiful tree, and it has these beautiful green pieces of fruit on it. When we came out in the desert, it was like standing all alone, and we were all like, oh, man, we should get this. Our guide, Ray Vanderlaan, said, hold on. He went up and picked one of the fruits and cracked it open. On the inside was a deadly poison and a bunch of air. The bus driver, when he saw him open it, ran off the bus and said, Ray, put that down. Wash your hands, please. Be careful. Super poisonous. The arar tree appears to have beautiful fruit, but when you crack open the fruit... It's just deadly poison on the inside. It kind of reminds me of Twinkies. <laughs> Seriously, it looked like a, like a Twinkie in the desert. Like, you know, think about it. In other words, what this verse is saying is if you put your trust in humans, rely on your own strength, do it your own way, buck up your bootstraps and do it, you'll be a Twinkie. Yeah, Twinkies probably couldn't nourish you if you, that's the only food you had to eat. You couldn't last more than a month probably, right? They have no nutritional value. You'll be in a rar tree. You'll have this fruit that looks really good. But when we dig deep inside, there's going to be emptiness and poison on the inside. Profound. Now, Jeremiah continues. He goes on to the next image. In the next two verses, he says this. Verses 7 8. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord, have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or corona or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. You know what that tree is? That's the acacia tree. It's called the shepherd's tree, the shepherd's log. You know why? You can burn a shepherd's log for 24 straight hours in a fire and it will not burn up. It's a super dense tree It grows in the desert and always produces fruit, and the fruit is amazing and can sustain you for a long time. Jeremiah says, if you put your trust in the Lord and lean on Him and look to Him and His strength, you're that kind of people, you will always produce fruit that lasts. You know, Shane Claiborne, maybe you know who he is. Um, He's a kind of radical... uh, church kind of guy out there, he said this, the best way for Christians to make people know about Jesus, do something fascinating. Think about Jesus. He came healing people. He came touching lepers that no one else would touch. He came feeding thousands of people. He talked to people that nobody else talked to. He hung out with people that everybody else had written off. Jesus did fascinating stuff. People were fascinated by it, and it made them want to listen to his message. If we as a church do the same kind of fascinating stuff, people want to listen to our message. This fifth Sunday serve is just a way to mobilize us into action, to get us doing something fascinating so we can produce great fruit in the world and the kingdom of Jesus, right? And it's going to be amazing. So after the service, we're going to be all over the place. Hang around. If you didn't sign up and you still want to get part, be part of it, hang around. We'll try to get you in a group and get you going. Meanwhile, back to my partner in crime, Pastor Gray. 
All right, bro. So God has planted a garden full of people. That's us. He has uh, cultivated the conditions necessary for life and growth. Uh, it is a fair question now to ask, what does spiritual fruit look like in 2020? What does spiritual fruit look like in the midst of a global pandemic? Right? We are in a season of physical distancing. Didn't you mean social distancing, Pastor Greg? No, I did not. I mean physical distancing. Uh, God is not calling us to social distancing. Because even at a modest physical distance, we can be social and connected uh, in soul and spirit. And God wants us to be connected. And while our old methods and models will not work in the same way, our calling to be connected to each other and God and into our neighbors in service, none of those things have changed. Those are totally as valid as ever, pandemic or not. So what does spiritual fruit look like? Uh, I'm going to offer five little provocations, um, and I'm going to use an old pastor trick to do this, an acronym, the word fruit, which has five letters. I know you didn't bring a pen, so I know you're not going to write this down. So this Friday in a blog, I'm going to expand on this a little bit for you, okay? What does spiritual look, fruit look like in 2020 in the midst of a global pandemic? Letter F, I think God is asking us to find our rhythm or find our groove. And by this, I mean your Sabbath or Sunday rhythm, right? For many of us, um, this is like the first or second or third time we have been with a congregation on Sunday morning. What I know from data around North American Christians is that at least a third of North American Christians who are regular churchgoers are now totally off the rhythm of worshiping, just sleeping in and having brunch. Uh, I mean, that's a comfy thing to do, not going to deny it. But if we are going to be fruitful, we need to stay connected to God in worship and with God's people to have this weekly revision and spiritual charge put back into us. Part of spiritual fruit is finding or refinding our rhythm. Letter R, this is mainly for parents, to rally your kids. I mean, kids have it the worst at this point. I mean, going to online school or going back into online school for many kids or just having their, uh, the routines of their young lives, whether it be sports or after school activities or whatever it is, kind of ups upset. Um, if you are a parent... We are trying to do everything we can to have youth group, to have kids ministry, to gather our young people um, for not only the social side, but the spiritual side. So as a parent, um, if you can help your kids be connected, that would be awesome. Find your rhythm, rally your kids. Uh, if you are a grown-up, letter U is this, unite with a life group or with your life group. So many of our small groups, like this is a big church with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. You can't know any, everybody. Uh, so the way to really be part of this congregation is by knowing 10 or 12 people with some depth. Like to know what's really going on so you can know and be known and pray and be prayed for. Uh, tomorrow night, our discipleship team is going to... Uh, train a bunch of our life group leaders for how to lead in the midst of a pandemic, right? New models and methods for new ways. If you've never been in a group before, there's going to be the opportunity to join groups. If you have been part of a group in the past, um, we are trying to inspire and help 
every single group that has been meeting to find perhaps an alternative way of being together, whether it's on Zoom, whether it's outdoors, whether it's on somebody's backyard porch, uh, a little bit of shared space here in our own building moving forward, like whatever it takes, we want to support that. Find your rhythm, rally your kids, unite with a life group. Letter I uh, is intercede for your church. Can I see some people nod? Like, I'm, this is a little selfish on my behalf, but all of our businesses, all of our jobs, church included, uh, we are in uncertain, weird times. Uh, there has been some pain and suffering behind the scenes here. Uh, I am asking you to intercede that God's spirit will be at work to make us wise, full of common sense, but also bold in pushing out. This Sunday is a great example of how that can all come together. But we need more of this. And it's only going to, well, it's going to start with the prayers of God's people, where everything starts. So please, 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 if you do not do this on the regular, intercede for your church, and especially for God's spirit to inspire and fall in some fresh and awesome and creative new ways. Letter T, fifth and finally, try serving. Whether it's privately, whether it's being on board today, like this is one thing each and every one of us can do in our individual walks to commit to no matter what else is falling apart, God, like as one who follows the Savior who did not come to be served, but to serve, like sign me up for that path. Like I want to do something every day, Jesus, because you did everything for me. Find your rhythm, rouse your young people, unite with your life group, intercede for the church and try serving. Like even if 100 of us like are doing that, there is going to be beautiful, awesome fruit that, happened in, that happens in Jesus' name. Anybody want to be on board with this with me? Can I see a hand? <laughs> All right. Amen. Again, for today, Klein and the team planned it. A bunch of us are going to show up and participate. But where it all counts is not our hard work or effort. Only God makes it grow. Amen. Will you pray, for, pray with me? God, we want to grow. And we recognize that just like in the parable of the sower, there is going to be some resistance. There are rocks in the garden of our hearts that need removing. There is hard soil in our community that needs to be turned over. And whatever you need to do, God, do it in us. So Holy Spirit, we pray the old true prayer, come, come Holy Spirit and fall on us, free us and grow us, restore us and bring something beautiful into being through us. Come Holy Spirit for the sake of Jesus who is our vine and our lifeline. Amen.